today. I'm your host, Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm glad you've joined us. We want to stay in the topic of autos, but change lanes a bit from insurance policy to a look at what's happening around electric vehicles, or EVs as they are now called. The move toward electrification has been a long time coming, and the innovation is taking shape in a variety of forms, from hybrids to fuel cells, and of course, electric vehicles themselves, vehicles that run all on electricity. But what does this move toward electric vehicles mean for the auto industry as a whole, for all of the people who currently work in assembly plants and all the others who work in transmission and engine plants, for instance? What about the sourcing of the minerals and other materials that are critical pieces of these new vehicles? And what about the consumer equity piece of this? There's a huge and widening gap between those who can afford to buy new cars and those who cannot. Will the electric vehicle technology widen that gap? And what will that mean for the already exacerbated socioeconomic divide in this country? Here to talk with us about all of these issues and more, someone who knows the industry better than most. Michelle Krebs is a senior analyst with Auto Trader. Welcome back to Detroit Today, Michelle. Thanks for having me, Stephen. It's yes. been a long time. Yes, it has. Uh, so let's start with the fact that news about another new electric vehicle seems to be coming out just about uh, every day. And some of these are really exciting vehicles. Uh, this new Ford Mustang Mach-E uh, is one of the ones that has caught my eye. Not that I could afford to buy one, uh, but but talk about uh, the, the, the offerings and how how many of them seem to be on tap right now? Well, uh, we are definitely moving towards uh, a world of electrification in our vehicles. When that inflection point gets here, it's not clear, but we certainly are seeing um, sales growing. And with the Biden administration really pushing that and pushing a, a charging infrastructure, it should get some uh, traction. Um, and our local automakers are on on. Uh, of course, uh, General Motors has committed to an all-electric future. Uh, they're skipping right over hybrids. Ford, as you mentioned, the Mach-E uh, is already out there on the market uh, with more to come. Uh, and Stellantis, which I can't get used to saying, our old Fiat Chrysler, um, is revamping its uh, electrification future. And I, I think it's something like 100 new EVs will be on the market in the next couple of years by 2025. So wow. we are going to see a lot of these. And the the variety of them is the other thing that I think has has caught my eye. So that that Mustang Mach-E is a sports car that's an electric vehicle and it does all the other things that sports cars do including, you know, very quick 0 to 60 and and handling and things like that. But but on the other end, you have GM talking about an EV Hummer for instance, which I don't know is that is that an oxymoron of some port of some <laughs> sort the the idea of this giant uh, vehicle that is electric. Uh, I, I, it seems like all of a sudden anything that the automakers make could be made in an electric form. Right. Well, back to the Ford uh, Mustang Mach-E, that's an, actually a sport utility vehicle, which is key because a lot of the electric vehicles we've seen so far were, were cars, and as you know, those have fallen out of favor to pickup trucks and SUVs. Hmm. Uh, you know, GM's got it started out with the Chevy Bolt, and that's going to be uh, revamped this year. 
And then, yes, all the way up to the GMC Hummer uh, pickup EV, and there's an SUV version coming, which starts at over $100,000 initially for the first edition. So, um, and, and everybody's going to be coming to market with uh, EV pickup trucks. I think the big question there is, um, is there a market for those? Uh, we'll see. And is there a market for um, those from the legacy automakers like GM and Ford, or do they prefer them from companies like Rivian and Tesla? Mm -hmm. um, there's so much we don't know that's going to unfold over the coming years. Yeah. So so talk about the environmental side of all of this. Uh, there's a real debate about the environmental value, I guess, of, of electric vehicles. They are not, uh, you know, using the internal combustion engine, which means they're not consuming fuel and, and, and oil and things like that. But that doesn't mean that uh, they don't have some impact on, on energy. And especially when you're talking about cars that, that uh, you know, that do the, the, the same thing as, you know, internal combustion cars, you know, that go really fast and uh, consume a lot of energy. What, what, what's the pickup here in terms of uh, environmental uh, value if if they are really the same cars but they run electricity instead of uh, instead of gas. Well, I think end to end, most of the studies confirm that yes, they ultimately emit lower emissions. I mean, uh, running on electricity, they are zero emissions. Mm -hmm. You know, but I think you have to look at the whole uh, chain uh, first. You have to think about where does your electricity come from that you're feeding into it. Uh, if it's coal fired, that's producing. Um, uh, emissions. If it's renewable energies, less so. Um, you know, we still have to bend metal <laughs> to put on, uh, around those vehicles, so there's energy involved in that. And, uh, you know, you, all the things that make a car, I think ultimately that is we're moving in the direction that it's much less impact on the environment. But there are, you know, how do we recycle all these batteries when when they are, we're done with them. Um, there, there's still a lot of questions. We're really in the pioneering stages of this. Yeah, uh, there's also a lot of infrastructure that I feel like needs to be upgraded or added to yeah. our streets and our highways and and you know to our to our fueling stations. Uh, if 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 more people are going to buy these electric vehicles and, and rely entirely on electricity. And it doesn't seem like that's moving quite as quickly as the development of the cars themselves. Am I wrong that there's a, a lag there? Yes, you're, there, there is a lag there. So under the uh, President Biden's infrastructure proposal, he's suggesting $15 billion to build 500,000 EV stations across the country. Um, and then, of course, you can buy a charger for your home if you you can afford that. But if you compare that where we are now, we're at about forty-two thousand charging stations, and only five thousand of those or so are are the fast charging ones. The others take much longer. It's not like topping off the tank. Mm -hmm. So yes, that is a huge um, challenge uh, that's preventing people from buying them. But I think that's starting to be addressed. And then, of course, along with that is the range of the vehicles. And the range uh, that you can go on a charge is improving. So it's, you know we're seeing vehicles with 250 over or over 300 miles, um, and so that's improving a lot. But you know we still need the confidence of being able to uh, to uh, charge it somewhere. And then the price of these vehicles. If you want a, uh, an EV that has the longer range, you're going to pay more for that. Hmm. Uh, we were just talking about. Uh, equity in the the, mm -hmm. the auto space and accessibility to 
to transportation for people. Do electric vehicles promise to narrow the gap uh, between the, you know the poor and 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 other people in terms of accessibility to uh, to transportation, or is it going to make that worse? Well, at the moment, it makes it worse. So I have been concerned about this whole affordability and equity issue for a long time, long before we were talking about EVs. Mm-hmm. You know, because physical mobility gives you socioeconomic mobility. Um, and we have been seeing that gap between the haves and have-nots, who can buy a new car, who can't, widen, um, even before the pandemic, but it has really widened um, during the pandemic and as we come out of it because of the chip shortage hasn't helped uh, and, you know, because production is low, inventory is low, uh, demand for vehicles is high, and uh, and prices are very high. We're seeing record prices in, you know, the average new vehicle is now $40,000. The average used vehicle is $22,000. So there isn't much affordable on any level for normal people. And also we've seen automakers shift, uh, you know, their focus to SUVs and pickup trucks and luxury cars and, yes, EVs. And so there are just, you know, a statistic I love is in 2012, over 50% of all vehicles um, on the market were listed at under $30,000. We're down to less than a quarter of the new vehicles on the market that are priced under $30,000. And that's not all inflation. It's a shift in where we're going. And if you look at the gap widens with uh, EVs, at least at the moment, um, buyers of EVs, new or used, are have the highest incomes of any demographic hmm. buying vehicles. Yeah. I'm talking with Michelle Krebs. She's a senior executive analyst for AutoTrader. Uh, we're talking about electric vehicles, uh, the number of different kinds of electric vehicles that are now being produced by the Detroit automakers. It seems like there's a new one being announced uh, every week or so. Uh, We're also talking about the effect of the arrival of this kind of flood of electric vehicles on the industry, on the environment, uh, and, of course, on uh, on accessibility to transportation. Uh, If you'd like to join the conversation, give us a call. Uh, What would it take for you to buy an electric vehicle? Are you somebody who's already made that leap? Uh, Tell us how that is going. Are you excited uh, to have an electric car and uh, don't miss uh, the internal combustion engine and all the things that come with that? Or are you someone who's concerned about uh, about EVs and what they might mean for the environment, uh, what they might mean uh, for auto accessibility? Uh, give us a call. Let us know if you, especially if you work in the auto industry, uh, either in this sector or uh, in, in some other sector, talk about what effect this is having uh, on your work. As always, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook or Twitter and put comments there, and we'll try to include you in the conversation that way. Maggie on Twitter says, I work at Dearborn Truck Plant, and we have been struggling before the chip shortage. No seats, windshield wiper blades, tires, et cetera. The pandemic has called all ki- caused all kinds of uh, shortages. Michelle, uh, we've heard a lot about the shortages caused by the pandemic uh, how do they how are they playing out in the ev uh context we did over the weekend also see a number of announcements of temporary plant shutdowns to try to deal with uh, this lag in supplies right well we had seen the automakers managing fairly well they were putting allocating the chips to vehicles that were more high profit high volume uh 
and uh, in more in demand, and they had good inventories. Well, that it's it, it, they can't do that anymore because now it's uh, kind of cutting into the bone. Uh, you know, Ford's a good example that they they've had to curtail a lot of F-150 production. They've uh, built trucks but parked them because they don't have the chips, and they'll put them in later. But I think one of the lessons of this is um, where are we going to make all these parts that go into our EVs, like computer chips? We've relied very heavily on Asia mm-hmm. to supply those, and I think that needs to be part of the thinking, too. And I think it is under the, the Biden uh, infrastructure proposal to, you know, we need to make chips here. We need to make batteries here. We need to uh, uh, think about how we're going to acquire the minerals that are needed for um, these uh, vehicles. And we need to think about the job situation, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Let's uh, quickly go to Jeff in Pontiac. Jeff, welcome to the show. Hello, Stephen. Hello, hey. Michelle. I have a different sort of equity question as it relates to EVs. Mm-hmm. In Michigan, we fund roads with gas taxes. With more EVs on the road, how can we equitably fund the roads? Yeah, great question. Great question, and that's one that should have been on our list, Stephen, but uh, (laughs) that is an issue because we've done it through gas tax, and because of better fuel efficiency of gas vehicles, those those coffers have become depleted, Um, and how do we we, uh, tax people who are using EV, driving EVs, which tend to be heavier than normal vehicles, and, you know, they're they're contributing to the road wear. How do we come up with a, an equitable system to, um, to do that? Uh, the state of Washington right now has got a proposal to go all electric new vehicle sales by 2030. Very ambitious. It's like five years ahead of uh, California. But it's contingent on exactly that, coming up with some kind of system that we still fund the roads. And as you know, in Michigan, we desperately need to fund the roads. Yeah, yeah. And and, and again, there's been kind of a lag in discussion uh, of that. We keep we keep going back to the gas tax as, as uh, the, the, the way to fund this stuff. And that's just not the that's not going to be the future. Okay, Michelle Krebs, uh, Senior Executive Analyst for Auto Trader. Uh, it's always great to talk with you. We will have you back soon to catch up on more about electric vehicles and other stuff in the industry. Sounds good, Stephen. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, that is going to do it for us today. This is 1019 WDETFM, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. I'll be back tomorrow and hope you will too. We'll talk more then.